You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Is this your accent? <laughs> <laughs> ah, what I, even if I have caught out of it, they will hear in Lagos. <laughs> um, but, but Pastor Budget, thank you. Your God experience was like, was like fascinating. And uh, t- today, you know, I, two or three questions that I'll let you, I'll let you put this plane on the, on, the, on the tarmac. But how for you, you know, when you think of God's grace, when you think of God's mercy, uh, how, you know, what picture comes to you? Because I, I wonder, you, you have been through all things. You've seen all sorts of things. How do you reconcile? I mean, one time you told me about a gentleman who, and I think you mentioned it, who has known you in your former life, right, and sees you in this current life. And I'm sure he's even asking, how did God forgive this guy? How, you know, how, so just, how, when you think of grace and mercy, what comes to you? It's um, one of the most humbling things about the Lord is, is this. When you think about grace and mercy, grace and mercy, they do two very different things. Forgiveness is where God pays the price for your sins. Now, this is, please understand this. How did God forgive somebody like me? He put his own son to death so he could accept someone like me. Because we pushed the boundary to the max. Therefore, when God runs into someone like me, it's not that he forgives you one-on-one. He forgave us all together. It's just that when he runs into you, it has been paid for by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And from what he made available, he makes you his own. It's an exchange. And salvation is an exchange. And so when, when, when you think about the lives we ran, and, and they were dark, and, I, and sometimes when we think about it, we say, God, you know what? Please forgive me. And also, because I now have children, let's, please, <laughs> you know what, God, let's just make sure the, the box is square. Please. And the essence is, Jesus suffered and died. Now, please understand when I say this. Suffered and died for our sin. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 is very clear. The Bible says, For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So, there's an exchange. Jesus becomes sin. He knew no sin. Therefore, we become or are made righteous who had no righteousness. And that genuinely, I don't, it's not a mental thing. I realize it is true. Why is it true? Because on the back of that, God then brings up the original reason that he made you. And all of a sudden, it becomes a reality. And that's key. And when I see him do that, it, it baffles me every single time that, wow, God, you actually meant it. And that's how accepting the forgiveness of God has become a reality. And it's, that's what you have to do. You have to accept it as done. You don't work up to forgiveness. You just 
ask for it. So it's an interesting question, because as you're speaking, I mean, and my accent does sound local now, right? <laughs> it's tough <laughs> to deal with all, because they used to think I was jandered before you came, but... <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> okay, but Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Paul says, I think it's verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. He says, and that not of yourself, it is the work of God. Um, and he says, the next one says, uh, if I remember, it says, uh, verse 9, help me. He says, not of works that any man should boast. And it says, you are the workmanship of God recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had ordained uh, in advance that you would do. Pastor Bajie, look, I, and, and I, I mean, and I, and I, know, I, I know some of the people here. Uh, so when we say it's by grace that we are saved, not of works, right? Are you saying we don't have to walk? Does God mean we don't have to walk for it at all? Because, you know, um, I mean, some people had done really bad things. Some people can go back to their hometowns. Inshallah, doesn't really go back often. <laughs> you know, some people, but so I'm just wondering, are we not supposed to at least do something, walk? What, let, let, yeah. Let's put it in context. The Bible says it this way, and, and let's put it. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Notice, it is not of works, it is a gift. That means your arrival into God's family is a gift. But the Bible then says that you should work out your salvation. That means I am now expressing what God has done through the works and actions that I now take through my life. And, and, and I'll, 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 give you an, I'll give you an example. To become a Christian, he says, ask me. When you now become a Christian, I'll, 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 let me see if I, I, um, I like using examples. Can you guys remember when mobile phones had batteries? How many people can, can remember it? Wave, wave your hand at me. Let me see. Don't they have batteries anymore? Uh, 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 yeah. Things are nice. You can't take the battery out. Now, when, how many of you have ever got an electrical toy or electrical thing whereby they put a piece of paper between the battery contact and the battery? Do we agree? Think of that piece of paper as sin. That means... If I gave you a phone and left the battery with that piece of paper in, it will look good. You can pretend to call someone. You can carry it around and you can say, I have a phone, which is how our lives were. We looked human. Well, we, we looked reasonably human. We did things. We could do a few basic things. We might even be able to make an emergency call. But notice, when the piece of paper is taken away, the full function of the phone kicks in, at which point it does a few things. It connects to a network that was always there, but it could never reach. It is able to make a phone call from one location to another location, even though it, the ability was built in, but it was not working. Therefore, to be, let's assume, so the phone to be saved requires the removal of the piece of paper. From that moment forward, 
the phone now has to work out or express the functionality or the result of the removal of the piece of paper. Does that make sense? So when the Bible says you have to work out your salvation, what it is is this. God saved you for something. He did not save you for nothing. So when you work out your salvation, my relationship with God grows and grows and grows because I now am in relationship with him. So I now begin to work out my salvation. I don't work up to salvation. It's a gift. But you now express the reason that you're here. And, and that's what, I think that's the difference. So you don't work for your salvation. So when the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it is you have to be cautious to do what God has designed you to do. Does that make sense? Brilliant. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. You guys don't clap when I preach. <laughs> so sorry. I need work in progress. All right. <laughs> it would be nice if you clap when I preach intermittently. <laughs> we just put it behind. Applause. Sorry, Pastor Bajis, I, I can't, I, I focus is a big deal. Um, um, two questions, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you, you know, say a couple of things and just pray and let's land the service. What do you say to the person in this service who is a young man and wants to happen? Happen is a, you know, wants to turn up on Friday, drive the nicest car, be popular with the ladies, uh, remotely popular with the guys, respected, have money. But it feels like if they become a Christian, that God might take it away from them. And flip, same girl, same, you know, and young lady. No, because you kind of had, you know, you had a young lady also who wants to ha happen. She doesn't want to, she wants to like be, uh, you know, a, a babe, fine, plenty followers on Instagram, um, you know, professional career, not dependent on a man. Uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, what else? She just wants to be fine, have lots of wigs and uh, shoes. And, but she thinks that this Jesus we're talking about and has fun. Like they show it on television and on, on, on YouTube. But she follows Jesus and he's going to take it away. Because I think there's someone in service today who says, look, it is, I don't want to live a double life. I don't do double life. Right, but I'm worried about stepping. And I look at your case because you stepped right across. <laughs> ah, it was interesting. Um, let me see if I can answer that question honestly. I'll say a few things, and the first thing is this let us clarify. You cannot imagine a future better than God can plan for you. So, the question is, when we are not saved and we think, okay, we want to happen. Now, let, let, me, let me say something I'd, I said while I wasn't saved. And, and there are people alive that can confirm. I was about 17 and a half years old. I was standing in Baptist Academy and we were having a conversation about 40th birthdays. And one, one of my friends said that he was going to have Ayinde Barrister at his 40th, that it must happen. And that was his idea of a 40th birthday. Now, for me, I was 17 and a half years old, and they said, what would you like? I said, I'll have two and a half wives. That means I'll have one wife for children, one wife for party, and the rest, 
everything else happens. That was my idea of life. And it would be, you know, I'll drive as many cars as I need. That was my idea. Because at that point in time, I was trying to solve an, a spiritual problem with physical solutions. Okay? Now, I, when I looked at Christians back then, I had the idea that, you know what, if I become a Christian, if I become like you, you know what, I don't want to become like you. I want to be popular because I already have friends, so I thought. That, you know, I don't want to, and then at that time, it was the SU movement. And so that means I don't want to wear a T-shirt and I don't want to wear sandals. <laughs> you know, I don't really want to look like you until I became a Christian. Let me clarify. If all your life, you are an eagle and you walk with chickens, you will assume life is about chickens. Do we agree? So it will frustrate you that you can't pick up corn from the ground until the eagle meets or goes to where other eagles are and then he realizes, wait, I'm not like you. There's something more for me. And then all of a sudden there's an expression. But let me be practical. Let me be practical. When you begin to do what God has designed you for, let me put it in a maxim. They will pay you the most for what you would do for free. What do I enjoy doing? I enjoy explaining things to people. So I used to be a nightmare when I used to go with my friends to movies. Because after five minutes, I can work out what's going to happen. And I will tell you, this person's going to die. This person's going to die. This is going to happen. Now, see, I shut up. Now, did you see the film? But no, I, I, but I'm thinking, I'm, I just need to explain to you so you understand it. And that's how I was. And that's what I wanted to do. I always wanted to talk. I always wanted to put other people down. I wanted to look like I was intelligent. That's what I did. Then I come to... I become a Christian and then God begins to do what he had planned through my gifts and skills. It's remarkable. I remember standing, uh, uh, when I say remarkable, I've always wanted to help people. So let me put that in context. The m most of the fights I ever got into was defending somebody else because I always defend others. And I thought that was great. Then I become a Christian. And then I have the opportunity to stand up for others in a way that changes their lives. So I'll give you an example. I was a youth, when I did my youth car, I went to Kano. I served in Kano and a lady came, we, we were on what we used to, we called it Korpamog. We, we actually put a fellowship on the youth camp. And so a lady walks in and she walks into the, the what was, we had to hide it as a cafe because it's northern Nigeria. She walks in and she's blinking and she's shaking. Now, before, the moment you see an insecure girl at a party, she becomes a target. And so what you do is, and so that you, so I don't know whether some of you realize, when you see an insecure person at a party, you walk over and you ask her good-looking friend to dance. So you get her attention. It's a system. You dance with that person once or twice and she wanders off to somewhere else. You walk back and you stand next to the person who was insecure and you just say good evening. You've automatically got that person's attention. It's a system. So then you allow your lights to shine on that person. They think you're wonderful and bad things happen. 
It's a system. I now look at this girl who's come into this cafe and she's going through hell because she has an internal challenge. This is the blessing that God gives you. I sit there and I say, I ask her, you know, what's the matter? And she tells me that, you know what, I was raped in my 100 level and I have been shaking ever since. Gang raped. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to take your hand and the Holy Spirit is going to go through me into you and it's going to stop. She looked at me. I know it was God because she believed me. I reached my hands out and I held her hands, not because I was special, but I just felt that's what God said I should do. So I did that. I, so when I prayed, I prayed a very simple prayer, the Holy Spirit flowed from me into her and then I felt her hands stop shaking. Now I had to keep the man of God act going. So it was like, hey, are you serious? I thought, where? I, I, but you know, I have to keep that. Okay, I had to keep the man of God act going. And I watched the Holy Spirit take away five years of trouble. Now, that is valuable. And all of a sudden, you realize you're here for so much more. Does God give you a life better than you can imagine? Please accept my, I mean, my, my life was a nightmare. And a nightmare I couldn't explain. I look at my, and I, I, I don't, people say, oh, well, if your life is not good, you're not, no, 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 no. My life is great because God has been merciful. Not because I've earned it but because he was merciful. And he has given me all the things I thought I really wanted to do every kind of evil thing to get. He will not let you down. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Thank you, Mr. Bajan. Last question for me and, and, and we'll pray. Let's talk about God's mercy. Uh, because, you know... Scripture says we come before God's throne to obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. So in my mind, mercy and grace are two different things. But, but from your experience and from Scripture, because I feel there's someone who needs to come to that place where they reckon with the purpose of mercy and the reality and the power of God's mercy. And so if you could talk about that. In, in, in. Okay. The Bible says mercy and grace are different and, and how do we know they're different? They, let me explain what grace is. Grace by definition is the divine intervention of somebody or the intervention of someone who is royal for and on behalf of somebody who is inferior or a subject. That means when somebody of royal standing intervenes in the life of a person of lower standing in a situation that that person cannot solve, the Bible records that as grace. The first time grace shows up is in Genesis 6, and the Bible says the world faced a situation it could not solve, and the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So grace is when God intervenes in your circumstances to play out 
a predetermined process to solve it in a way that you cannot handle or the way in something that you cannot handle. Mercy is different. Mercy is when God on your behalf makes the miraculous happen simply because he is God. That's different. So grace puts a process in place. So your gifts, if you look at the gifts as listed, the ministry gifts as listed in Ephesians chapter 4, reading from verses 7, the Bible says that according, that the gift will show up according to the measure of the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That means God has intervened in your life to put something within you to create a future that only he can see, that he's now showing you. That's grace. He's given you grace. Grace enables you to do something. Are we together? And grace will always draw you closer to the creator. The second thing about it, so that's what grace is. So the ability to do something for and on behalf of God, or God solving a problem, that's grace. So the Bible says that you find grace. Grace is a person. His name is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He makes possible the life we live. That's grace. He intervened in our lives in such a way so that we could live lives that were completely different from the one we were coming. Mercy is different. Mercy is when God literally, please understand this, mercy is when God makes something happen on his level that you do not deserve. That is where God expresses himself in your world, even though you don't deserve it. The first time we see mercy is in Genesis 19. And mercy comes to Lot, who has found himself in a situation where he cannot solve it. But let's understand, and I'll talk, I'll talk about this in my wrap-up, but let's understand this. The difference is, notice the Bible says you obtain mercy. Mercy, it makes something happen that's yours. Grace makes something happen that is always God's. That means the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will make the gifts and the skills happen. They're never yours. It is God expressing himself through you. When mercy happens, he makes something happen so that it is yours forever, even though you don't deserve it. And I'll give you an example. There was no way I deserved the wife God gave me. Not a chance. Not a chance. When I was asking, when I was praying for a wife, and I'm being very sincere, I said, God, you know what? You and I know my history. So you know what? Pick from anywhere. You know, just anywhere. That God would give me a wife the way he gave me was an act of mercy. But that God will enable me to speak for and on his behalf, clarifying his word is an act of grace. The gift is not mine, it's his. But to God be the glory, the wife is an act of mercy, but she's mine now. Does that make sense? Does that, does that make sense? I hope that explains. I'm just going to let Pastor Badger wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let Pastor Badger wrap it up a couple of minutes and he'll pray. And, and, but I, I, um, 
I say to someone today that there is an invitation standing from God. Um, my life, and I think when we share our God experiences in church on Sunday, we want to say to you, would you see the depiction of God's grace and God's mercy? Uh, your friend who said he wanted to see, to have Ayinde Barista, his fourth yet, uh, is interesting. I turn 40 in uh, two weeks' time. Right? Exactly two weeks. No, 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 hold on, hold on, I'm coming, I'm coming. I, I think when I think about the things, I, it wasn't a day that I, there were times when I didn't think that day would happen. Genuinely speaking. There were times when I didn't think I was deserving of having that day happen in a good way. There were times when I was really sad. There were times when I was down. There were times when I had failed. Um, and God's mercy is an amazing concept. It is powerful. God's grace <laughs> is amazing. The, 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 the issue is where we then stand in orientation to mercy and grace is, is whether you would allow God's mercy, whether you would allow God's grace find expression in your life. That while you are struggling, while we are struggling to do things our way, to do things the way we think it should be done, the way our father said, the way someone else said it should be done, God is wanting to institute in your life his purpose, his will, his love. And I'm a testimony of God's grace and his mercy. Pastor Bajo also made tons of people here. And I just today perceive a huge invitation to someone. But would you let God make you a testimony of grace? I'm going to leave Pastor Bajo to wrap up the service. Please let's put our hands together and celebrate him. Um, I'm fine without the pulpit. Thank you. So let's close this out. Um, when I was preparing, it was very interesting. The picture I had, and this is what the Holy Spirit said. He said, when you get there, tell stories. And I thought, Lord, I'm ready to preach this. He said, no, no, no. He said, tell stories. And the reason I say tell stories is... You may forget everything I say, but it's interesting. People don't forget stories. So let's bring it home with a couple of stories. A couple of stories. The first one I want to talk about is mercy. And so I'll, I'll, I want you to come with me. I want you to use your imagination. The gentleman we're talking about became, he was relatively wealthy and he became sick quite quickly. At that point in time, there was no doctor that could help him. But there was a story that was going around that there was somewhere he could go. That healing or health was available. And so his family carried him there. The assumption was the journey would only be one way and then they'll bring him to the place and by the time they bring him back he will be fine so they carried him they went through the burden of carrying him there and when they got there they got to a place and it was 
a porch and there were lots of other sick people. And when they got there, the instructions became clear and the instructions were as follows, that once a year, here, the waters over there are stirred. Whoever gets into the water first gets healed. Now, when this man got there, there were only a few people and he thought, no problem. So his family put him down and they waited for the stirring of the waters. The first year came and they got in slowly. The second year came, and by now, you realize his family had to go back. And so by the time the second year came, when the waters were stirred, there was nobody there, and he missed it. But he knew where to sit. And so when his family came back the year after that, they said, you know, can you move me over there? And they, so they moved him, and this time they left him. This time, the waters were stirred, and by that time, he, he couldn't get in. That was year three, year four, year five. Something always happened. Year six, year seven. Always, it, there was always somebody who got there long before him. 20, 21, 25. By the time it got to 25 years, somebody out of their largest built canopies for the sick people. By now, they were thousands. That was the only source of healing at that particular point in time. And the man realized that, you know what? Well, although there are lots of them, I have experience. And so although he was crippled, every time he would realize, okay, let me move myself in. But year after year, he always seemed to miss it. His heart was breaking, but year 37 was the toughest one. This time he was on the edge of the water. He had found the prime spot. He knew something was about to happen. He knew that, you know what, at this time of the year, these waters will be stirred. And truly they were. The only challenge was the person beside him had his family. And they literally threw their family member over his head into the water. At that point in time, he thought, you know what is done. It was a long year waiting for the stirring of the water. Then at the time of the stirring of the water, he knew it was coming, but he was tired. He was tired. He didn't realize that Jesus had come to Israel. He had been there for two years. He hadn't heard the stories because he was focused on the stirring of the water. He hadn't heard that Jesus, after the slaying of his cousin John the Baptist, had healed thousands. And the Bible records one word you find about Jesus healing is, and he, <coughs> and he healed all of them. But he was focused on the stirring of the waters, and so he didn't hear the stories. Year 38 came. He was waiting for the water and then all of a sudden he hears a voice behind him. And the person said, would you like to be made well? He didn't know who this person was. And he re responds and he responds slightly grumpily that, listen, you know what, I'm here for something. He said that, let me explain to you. He said, only once a year does this happen. And I have a problem. I have no man with me. And therefore, I can't get into the water. And do I want to be well? I need to explain to you my challenges. I've been here for 38 years. And the voice said, pick up your bed and walk. His eyes turned and looked at the face that was speaking to him. For the very first time, he takes his eyes off the water and he looks at the creator of the universe. 
He said, pardon? And the voice said it again. The same voice that had spoken the sun into place. The same voice that had stilled the waters. He said, pick up your bed. It wasn't a suggestion. Because the man realized his legs that had not worked for 38 years could work now. He stands up, slightly shaky, bends down, picks up his bed, and then freaks out. He freaks out so loudly, crowds rush, and the man disappears. The man thinks, my goodness, he's gone, but he's too excited. The Jewish rulers ask him, how come you're walking around on the Sabbath day carrying your bed? Religion will always tear down relationships. He said, well, somebody healed me. Who was it? I don't know who it was. He just said, I should carry my bed. And look, I'm walking. I'm walking. He moves his legs. He moves his hands. And they freak. And then he, he, they don't answer. They're too concerned with their precepts. And they move on after a while. And the Bible said Jesus finds him. And Jesus makes a statement. And Jesus said, go and be whole, but... Sin no more, lest a worse thing comes on you. Now let me clarify. The man looked at the face and he realized that he had experienced mercy. Why? God had sent Jesus Christ to pick him out and healed nobody else in a place of sick people. That means Jesus Christ had to walk over lepers, cripples, blind, lame, maimed to find this one man. And when he heals him, he tells him, listen, don't do anything wrong anymore. Otherwise, you're going to get sick or worse. Meaning God sent Jesus as an act of mercy. Why? Mercy will always solve something we've done wrong. And God will step in. And the man then realized, so this is Jesus. That God would hunt me down in the midst of a crowd to make me better. The Bible does not record he prayed. The Bible does not record that he said to Jesus something that Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. The Bible does not record he gave anything. The Bible doesn't even record that his life changed, but Jesus healed him. That, ladies and gentlemen, is mercy. Grace is different. You see, grace is when God intervenes on somebody's behalf to make something happen at his expense. And so come with me to a dusty road. Nothing happens in this town. You won't find it mentioned twice in scripture. It's only mentioned once. But the Bible says on Jesus' way to the Jerusalem for the final time, the Bible said he had to go through this town. 
And this is the situation. And the situation is this, that a mother had lost her husband a long time ago, but she had a son and she had raised him. The son had grown up and her hope was now in her son. When he got sick, she stayed with him. When he died, she wouldn't leave him. They told her that, listen, the men will bury him. Don't worry, we'll be fine. She sticks with him the whole day. By the evening, she has to let them take him. But she says, you know what? I'm going with you. I'm not going to let him go on this last journey by himself. This is my baby. I can't let him go. She doesn't pray because she doesn't know to. She again has not heard anything about Jesus. And so she just follows the coffin or the buyer. The Bible says Jesus walks into Nain exactly at the time the buyer was passing. And the Bible says he stops the procession. The woman does not pray. She didn't cry out like Bartimaeus did. She didn't pester Jesus like the Syrophoenician woman. She didn't even know who he was. The Bible records that Jesus reaches across a religious divide because Jewish people are not meant to touch a dead body unless if they do, they are unclean for seven days. Jesus reaches out his hand and he stops the funeral procession. Now, if you understand funeral processions in Israel, the mourners must have gone crazy that, listen, are you, want to tr are you trying to trash our business? That we've been crying all day that you want to ruin it. Look, let them bury this man and let them feed us. Professional mourners were like that. But Jesus reached out his hand and he stopped the buyer. The Bible says that he said to the young man, young man, arise. And the Bible says the young man sat up. At which point, if that was here, Jesus would be by himself. The young man sits up. They take the grave clothes off him. Jesus takes him off the buyer. And the Bible says he hands the young man back to the lady without saying a word to her. The Bible records that that, ladies and gentlemen, is an act of grace. Because God intervened in her life from a position of royalty on behalf of somebody that could not fix it so that her life would change. The Bible does not record that the woman says anything else. The Bible doesn't say that she went after Jesus to say thank you. And the Bible doesn't say that that upset Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, grace and mercy are key for Christians. Why? Because grace will cause to happen what God has pre-programmed you for. He will make happen the purposes, the plans, 
the skills and abilities that are on your inside in relationship to him. Whenever grace is extended, it always draws the person to God. Mercy is when God goes to work on your behalf or on behalf of others, even in the face of great opposition. And ladies and gentlemen, life is like that. And so for me, let me use myself as an example as I close. What has grace done? Grace has given me a reason to live. A reason to go through hell. A reason to wake up every morning. Because I know that God, there's something you want to do each day. In the life of many of you. What's mercy? Mercy is when even when I can't pray. Even when I can't fast it through. Even when I don't know the scriptures. God just says, I'm going to do it anyway. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what God wants to do for you. So what's my last statement? My last statement is this. Grace and mercy are not focused on sin. They are focused on your relationship with God. Grace is multiplied as you spend time with God in his word. Grace is not static. First Peter, Second Peter 1 verses 1 to 4 says that by the great and precious promises that God has given you, you can partake of the divine nature. That means you can function, act, and receive the benefits of God. But this is what it says first in verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? Through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So the more I know about Jesus, the more grace I will have. The more I understand the promises, the more grace I will have. The more I live in a time of prayer with God, the more grace I will have. The more I spend time in worship, the more grace I will have. The more I sow, give, and the biggest one, the more I obey God, the more grace I have. Where grace will not only touch my life, but the lives around them. But mercy is different. Because mercy is not what God does. Mercy is who he is. Let me explain that and I'm done. You see, mercy is interesting. Sodom and Gomorrah were not on the way to Abraham's house. That means because God wanted to express himself in mercy, he came to find his friend Abraham to ask him to do so. 
In the, the book of Exodus chapter 34, the Bible says, God said, I'll describe myself. I will have mercy. This is my name. This is not what I do. This is who I am. He said, I will have mercy on whomsoever. I will have mercy. What does that mean? That is who he is. That means for you, ladies and gentlemen, when you run into the life of somebody else, leave them better than you found them why mercy is God himself that's when he shows up ladies and gentlemen let me say a prayer for you and with you and my prayer is this the Father Almighty God, may an abundance of grace be made available to your children so that their relationship with you will rewrite their future and rewrite the future of those that they are sent to near and far. And I pray, my Father, through you, May mercy be their portion from this day forward. And I ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everybody said, Amen. ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. Come on, church, let's put our hands together and celebrate Pastor Badger. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.